a lot of times the best deals are right in your own neighborhood. And that's where I really like to focus. And like I said, the vacation house is two doors down from my other one. Most of my deals are right here in the middle of my hometown. Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with 1 million to 100 million assets under management. They help you increase productivity, and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Groundbreaker will help you scale your business without the need to scale your overhead. So they're going to help reduce your costs because of the admin team that won't need to be as large. And they're going to help you reduce your risk of data breach because of the security systems that they have in place. They'll help you increase your revenue by growing your assets under management because you're going to be allowed to focus on the things that are most important, like business growth and operations, not those administrative logistics. And ultimately, they're going to help you elevate your company's brand and professionalism and investor experience because your investors are going to enjoy having this platform with all their information versus however you're currently doing it. Three things specifically about Groundbreaker I personally like. One, super easy to use from an investor standpoint and from a general partner standpoint. Two, it allows investors and general partners to fund electronically, meaning that a limited partner can complete their entire subscription and funding cycle without leaving the platform. And on the general partnership side, for distributions, you can set it up so that you can trigger bulk ACH payments within the platform. And then the last thing I really like about Groundbreaker is it's, well, it's cost effective. It's healthy to the bottom line. Their basic plan allows sponsors to sign up for as little as $100 per month with no limits on deals or investors. And you can read all about their pricing on their website. Speaking of their website, it is groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe, J-O-E. And when you go there, groundbreaker.co forward slash J-O-E you're going to get access to a pitch deck that the Groundbreaker team created so that you have a template should you want to use that and customize it for your own deal. So go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Reagan McKinney. How you doing, Reagan? I'm good. How are you? Well, I'm doing well, and I'm glad to hear that you're good. A little bit about Reagan. She's a full-time real estate investor and broker. She's been investing for over 20 years, has a portfolio of 19 rentals, one vacation rental, and has flipped 11 properties based in Hammersville, Ohio. With that being said, Reagan, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure. So basically started when I was 20. My grandparents, they flipped houses before it was popular on HGTV and everybody was jeering it. So I picked up a knack for it from them. I've always been self-employed, come from a self-employed family. So that was a source of my potential retirement. And I just grew to love it. So spending Friday nights at Lowe's or Home Depot, picking out tile and things like that has turned into a full-time gig. 
over the last 20 years. So I flip about 11 a year and I don't flip many more than that over the last 20 years, but basically got started from my grandparents taught me how to do it. And I've just grew it from there. So you at first started doing what, and then how has your investing approach evolved since then? So when I was 20, getting ready to get married, wanted to go buy the standard house in a subdivision with the white picket fence that's already ready. My grandparents steered me into a different direction, pulled up into a property. It looked like it should be a haunted house. Um, Grass (laughs) was four foot tall. And basically they persuaded me to buy that. So we did. We did all the work ourselves on that one and lived there two and a half years and flipped it and made 42000 Basically, that's where I got my taste, applied that 42000 to my next property. And I've just continued to do that with the home I live in all the way up through. We've lived in six different houses since then and then started adding additional properties doing the same thing. That's probably one of the better investments I made. It was a nice profit on the very first one to get my feet wet. They're not all that lucrative, but I've done better and worse. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Right out of the gate after two years, 42K. What did you learn from that first deal from a renovation standpoint? If you can recall, I know it's been 20 years. I do remember. So it's don't fix them all as if you're going to live in them forever. I still struggle with that, trying to go in and pick things to net the best, highest dollar versus picking out what I like. What are some specific examples of that, just to bring it to light a little bit? Everything from flooring to adding details right now, the modern farmhouses. And so I tend to steer towards shiplap. I like the nicer countertops when we get into quartz and things like that, but we can go with a lower grade granite. And the market that I'm in, the buyers don't necessarily care as much about what type of granite or whether it's quartz or solid surface. They just care that it's new and that it's not for mica. So for me, I go in and tend to have, my dad would have always said, champagne taste on a beer budget. So I've always went in and tried to pick out the nicer things and things that I think I would like. And that at the end of the day for the bottom dollar isn't profitable. What's the next step up from Formica that you can get by with? Probably a grade C granite. Grade C granite. And about what's the price difference? Now things are starting to change because some of the Formica is fantastic. Probably a couple thousand dollars to go from picking the Formica to the granite. Now where I really see the difference is when I go into the showroom and I start picking out countertops, for example, I'm gravitated to what I like first, which typically tends to be a grade A. Now you're talking several thousand dollars difference and there's just not a big enough return and selecting the higher grade versus the lower grade. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily just a difference in formica to granite, but coming down to what the dollar amount is and knowing how much more return I can get on a specific property based off of the countertops. So what grade do you go with? Typically it's C- and the price difference is, you said a couple thousand? No, that would be from Formica to Granite. From maybe C to A, you're talking anywhere from A to 12,000, depending it. on how many yep. feet how you need. Yeah, how much you're buying. Got it. Significant difference. <laughs> yeah, it's when, a big difference, especially when it's coming out of your net dollar. Approximately how many deals does it take to really settle in on okay, this is what the market will bear and I shouldn't go over. This is right at where I need to be. So I need to be at grade C granite 
versus something nicer or something worse. So you're asking how many deals you need to do to figure that out? Yeah. An honest answer to that is I think there's lots of people out there that are willing to help and lend advice. So if you're working with a realtor, take that advice. That would lower your number. I'm a slow learner when it comes to that because it's kind (laughs) of my way. But I would say it took me four or five years to figure out okay, I'm not going to live in this property and this is just as nice and it's going to put more money in my pocket at the end of the deal if I choose this. So I don't know that for me, it's the number of deals, but more Mm -hmm. surrounding yourself with good contractors and with a good GCE or general contractor that's going to help guide you and kind of, I always say he checks me on, Mm -hmm. hey, Reagan, you don't really need to do this because we know when we buy a property and then we go in and walk through, we know what it's going to take And we do allow for some areas if you get into something unexpected, we kind of pad it for that. They always say, I tend to spend my budget in the tile shop and on the flooring (laughs) store. (laughs) (laughs) So the first deal you mentioned that you killed it. And then you said, well, but some have been better and some have been worse. So let's talk about those extremes. Let's talk about the deal that you've lost the most amount of money on. Tell us about it. Buying sight unseen. I eat, sleep, and breathe real estate. So if I'm not selling it professionally, then I'm looking online for a deal or an auction or I'm going to the sheriff's sales. So the one that I would say I got burnt on or lesson learned would be one that I purchased unseen. First time we walked through, it didn't look terrible. But when we started pulling away the drywall, lots of mold, rotten floor joists. It was basically a rebuilt. And I joke that I paid the people to buy that house. So it was definitely a loss, probably $18,000 in the red without having that file right in front of me. You paid people to tear down? No, basically that was my loss. Uh, Okay. 18,000 you said? Mm -hmm. In the grand scheme of things, in two decades, an $18,000 loss, bravo to you. That's pretty good, right? I don't know. Like I said, my grandparents and then even my parents, I just feel like I've been super fortunate and being guided in the right direction, whether it's been houses or it's been cars. My dad owns a salvage yard and this kind of goes back a little bit off of real estate, but it kind of will give you a background of the way I think is we don't go buy brand new cars. We would buy them. He would fix them up. So I've never paid full price for anything. And I've Mm -hmm. always been able, even with a car, been able to drive it and then still make money on it. So the same thing with my houses, it was a really hard pill to swallow to come in and say, not only are you going to not make money, you're going to lose money. That's a lot. It's more mental for me and a Mm -hmm. blow to my ego than the dollar amount. Mm -hmm. You bought it sight unseen. How many properties, if you know, have you purchased sight unseen before? More than I should admit. (laughs) In the 20 years, probably eight to 10. 8 to 10. And about what number was this on the 8 to 10 range? This would have been right out of the gate, probably the second one. Okay. What were the circumstances where you bought it sight unseen? It was in auction and there was people bidding against me and I was younger and I thought, well, if all these other investors wanted, it has to be a great property. Mm -hmm. Somebody has to know something. It's really important. Probably the biggest lesson I've learned is to do my own due diligence. Yes, I have a big support system that I can bounce things off of, but I know how to make a deal and how to set it up to where I look like a fantastic buyer. But there's a lot of mistakes I've made that have cost me. And that would Mm be A, sight unseen, B, waiving inspections, not using my due diligence period, things like that. 
But one out of eight to ten, you're batting pretty good there. Don't jinx me. Right. (laughs) So (laughs) the side unseen actually has been successful for you. It is, and and I'm not scared of it. How do you mitigate that risk? Well, I don't believe, and I know this is cliche, but no risk, no reward. I actually have one under contract right now. I'm steering kind of away from the residential single family, getting into multifamily, and also into the vacation rentals. I just bought my second vacation rental on Norris Lake, Tennessee, sight unseen. How to mitigate that risk is my contract allowed a due diligence period. I am getting the inspections and following it through top to bottom, just so I know what I'm getting into because I tend to operate on a a deal based off of the purchase price and knowing what I can do. But I always like to forget that middle part of what it costs to get it there. Mm -hmm. It's not enough to scare me, but I am being smarter about how I get there. I want to spend a little bit of time talking about where you're headed and why that shift in your focus. But before we do, I mentioned earlier, let's talk about the extremes. Most you've lost 18K. What deal have you made the most money on? Well, the most money I've made is I buy and sell real estate all the time. So I have bought them and I have other investors that I work with that decide that they want to go ahead and flip it. So instead of me taking the time, I have to weigh my options of can I fix this? And I now pay contractors to do all the work where in the very beginning, I was doing a lot of the work myself with my family. So to offset the cost, the best deal, and I don't just weigh the net dollar, it's how much work was invested as, you know, being able to buy something Mm -hmm. and then turn around and flip and sell it. And that was for 52,000. 52,000. So you found the deal and then you sold it to a client of yours who fixed and flipped it? Correct. I actually bought it and I was going to flip it. So I, yeah, I bought it. Super sweet deal. Had bought a lot of the material for it. And then how that worked is they came to me, they were looking for one. Mm -hmm. I don't have the time now that I am where I am in real estate. So basically the market had shifted. It did sit for a period of time and then I sold it to them. Got it. Okay. That was a sweet deal. <laughs> if you got a, a $52,000 profit before they even touched it and then they fixed it up, flipped it. And then my assumption is they made money. Oh yeah. They made money. And then I get to list it as well. Oh, bro. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So keep yeah, your investors happy. Yes. It reminds me of lease the option with an option to purchase where people make money in many ways with those types of deals on the front end, on the back end, and during the middle. All right. So let's talk about your shift in focus. You said vacation rentals and multifamily. I believe I heard that correct. Did I hear that right? That's right. Okay. Why? You've got a good thing going with flipping about 11 properties a year. You've got some rentals. You're a broker. You just opened the brokerage about a year ago. Why are you shifting? I just think the market is changing and also it's for my own personal, the flips, everybody's getting into flipping. You turn on HGTV or TLC and everybody has a home renovation show. So there's a lot of people out there that are just getting their feet wet. So the competition to buy the property at a price that you can go in and do the work to make the profit worthwhile. That's the first issue. The second issue is I have to look at, okay, if I'm going to take a smaller profit on a flip, Can I make more money doing something else? And right now I can selling real estate because the profit margin for the flips just aren't what they used to be. 
as far as going from residential single family into multifamily and the vacation homes is as far as single family goes, I'm just really struggling getting really good renters. I feel like the turnover is starting to be more than I would like, and I can get more of a return on a multifamily. And the vacation rentals so far have been fantastic. And I don't know if it's due to COVID, more people were camping. And like I said, both of them are on Norris Lake, booked completely out and not just for the summer months. People are doing this at Thanksgiving. They're going just for a weekend getaway, something different than maybe the Gatlinburg or the Pigeon Forge. And it's somewhere you don't have to fly because a lot of people from Norris are coming from the Cincy area. Mm-hmm. So a lot of locals and the profit's been way better than my single family with less headache. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about the profit. So what's the last vacation rental that you purchased or are about to purchase? So the first one I purchased was two years ago with no intentions to rent. It was going to be just our place to get away okay. and kind of recap. Went in, bought it through an estate, got a really good deal. How'd you find it? MLS? No, it doesn't matter where I'm at. I'm always shopping real estate. Mm -hmm. So we were on vacation at Norris and I want to know what's for sale. And I go and I talk to people and ask and I ended up meeting with a realtor and he said he had this coming. It wasn't yet listed. It was an estate. There were four kids that were split four different ways. So it worked to my benefit. It did need work but we've put a year and a half worth of just our sweat equity into it. And we started running it this year. It was a pretty decent experience with the exception of one, but as far as what the return is, we started in March and we ran it through Labor Day and it was kind of a test run because like I said, this was designed to be my family lake home. So something that where we could go when we want. And I didn't like that it cramped my schedule, but as far as money goes, it was about 28,000. 28,000 that you got in for rental income Mm -hmm. and what'd you buy it for? I bought the property for 430. 430,000 and about how much did you put into it knowing that it was you doing the work but what about supplies and stuff? I would say 50. 50. Got it. So if you had hired a contractor what double that? 100? 100, yeah. 100. Okay. Two follow-up questions. You said something like it worked out except for one. Was there something that didn't Well, rentals can go either way. People are on vacation with their families and they can go in and treat it like their own or they can go in there and it can be like a frat party. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what <laughs> what the last one was. Luckily, we do get deposits and things like that, but you have to think about your time to go in. And that income, we didn't fully rent it because I did leave it open for myself. Uh-huh. The one I'm purchasing is going to be strictly a rental. And right now, as it sets with the current owner, it's $52,000. That's what the gross rental income is. Oh, really? Over the course of 12 months? She doesn't rent in the winter because they go down. So that was from February through October. Dang. Mm-hmm. And how much are you buying that for? 285 Wow. And yeah, I that's, found that one on my killer. <laughs> morning run. Yeah. So. Okay. That's what I want to dig into. We're going to come back to the morning run in a moment. On the first deal, you said when you go places, you want to know what's for sale. So you talk to people, you met a realtor, and then the realtor told you that he had this off-market thing that was coming up. Who did you go to? When you say you talk to people, did you just randomly come across someone or did you look at the brokerages and you make it a point to call them? What'd you do exactly? 
So exactly what happens is we were down there, the people that we were renting the property from, like I said, I always am talking about real estate just by default. So let them know that I'm a realtor. We were looking to book another weekend. Everything was completely full. So when the kids were out in the lake and we were just kind of chilling, I was on my phone and looking for rentals so we could come back in a few weeks and everything was booked. I come across an email reached out to the guy and just said, Hey, do you have anything? And he said, everything's completely booked, but I have one I'll sell you. And I thought, okay. So the next weekend we drove down just to look at that property. That one wasn't a fit for us. However, we drove four and a half hours to look at one property that I had tended to write a contract on and turn around and leave. Mm -hmm. So we ended up getting a hotel and reached out to a few agents. It was a Saturday and they said we're booked. And finally I just called agents until somebody that could meet me in an hour. Hey, we have X amount of dollars to spend and we're here to spend it this weekend. What do you have? And he was fantastic. I'll meet you in an hour. He showed us two properties. And then after meeting with him, he said, well, I have this one, but it's not active yet, but we might be able to get you in. So he did. And I knew it was a perfect fit. Wrote the contract and then just maintained that relationship the one I just bought now that I've owned that property down there for two years, mm -hmm. you start to meet people in the community and you start to look for life changes. Some people are finished down there or some people are, have outgrown or need to downsize. So I'm always looking for life changes as I like to call them. And I go for a morning run every day and happen to notice a house that was needing a little love. So you start looking on the county websites and who owns it. And I send a letter or I Facebook message and reach out. Have you thought about selling? And eventually you get a hit and then mm -hmm. you look at it. And this one I haven't looked at. I've seen the outside because I've ran by it several times, but mm -hmm. we are under contract. I am doing due diligence period and we do have home inspections. So hopefully everything checks out. But what I have found is people that have bought the vacation rentals, most of them have owned them for several years and a lot of them don't understand what the market's doing or they're just done. They don't want to rent anymore. They don't want to deal with the headache of that or there's some kind of life circumstances to where they just want to get out of it. And Norris Lake is a place that real estate is just booming. It's booming everywhere, but people that bought lots for 30,000 10 years ago are selling them for 300 today. Mm -hmm. So like I said, I don't know if it's COVID or if it's just the market, a combination of everything, but there's a lot of activity and not just Norris Lake, any of the ones you can get lakefront homes on. Did you send this person a Facebook message or did you send them a note? Both. Both. I sent Which a note. Did they and respond to? Facebook. They respond to the Facebook message. Got it. Thank you for those stories. That is beneficial for people looking for deals in hot markets. Taking a step back, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Don't ever be afraid to go after what you want or to ask for something. The worst that anybody's going to tell you is no. And I feel like the best deals have always come from the most unexpected situations. And if you're looking to do it per a playbook or how you think it's supposed to be, yes, realtors, because I'm a realtor, we can get you fantastic deals, but most of them are going to come from homework or just paying attention to your surroundings. A lot of times the best deals are right in your own neighborhood. And that's where I really like to focus. And like I said, the vacation house is two doors down from my other one. Most of my deals are right here in the middle of my hometown because you know people's life changes and it just presents opportunity. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm ready. 
All right, first quick word from our best ever partners. Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. Are you interested in getting started in real estate syndication but don't know how? My friend Whitney Sewell is the host of the Daily Real Estate Syndication Show podcast. He interviews top experts in the industry to help you learn the cutting-edge tools and strategies of the syndication business. You can find Whitney and his podcast at lifebridgecapital.com. What's the best ever deal you've gotten in the most unexpected way? Best ever deal in the most unexpected way? I would probably say the lake house. I went down there expecting to get something, immediately felt disappointed and ended up with something better. What's the best ever way you like to give back to the community? I'm big, big into my local community. Big, big advocate for giving to the people that take care of me. I like to turn back and and give it back. So police, fire, our paramedics, I'm big on that. And then all of our military. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? They can check me out on my website at reaganmckinney.com or they can go to any of my social media, Instagram or Facebook. Reagan, thanks for being on the show. Enjoyed our conversation. Thank goodness for your grandparents and that conversation they had with you 20 years ago when you were going to buy that white picket fence house and look at the path that they helped you get on and then you've blazed the trail from there. Love hearing about the resourcefulness and just the tenacity for how you're uncovering deals. And that will be helpful for a lot of people. And also the shift in focus and why you're shifting with your focus. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have the best ever day and talk to you again soon. Thanks so much for having me.